welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Syndicate Show. And it has been a while since we've sat down together and done this. So how are you doing, Albert? Good. Been all right. Just working, dealing with life and family and all the fun stuff in between. Mm-hmm. The last time we got together, I almost said it was the live one, but no, that was not the live one. We did another one. I don't know. We know. It's been a while since we've sat down and it's recorded. Right. <laughs> so we, we had a c- good couple saved up. Yeah. I did record that short one for last week. It's just like 20 minutes. Yeah. It was just kind of needing to keep the schedule going. Yeah. I just told everyone why we didn't get together. And I ranted about uh, UBI and AI for... Oh, you did? 15 I haven't even listened yeah. to it. Okay. I didn't go into in, as much in depth as you and me were just talking before we started recording. I just talked about uh, like uh, UBI, universal basic income. You know, most, most working people, we get a bad taste in our mouth. Like when you hear that, you're like, fuck that, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to work for your shit. You can't just give people money. There was a guy who's like the CEO of a, there's a social media called like Mind, Minds, M-I-N-D-S. Uh he thinks all these so, like Facebook or Meta, Twitter, all these places should be doing, they should be paying for UBI. So he's like, you should get UBI, but it should be paid for by big tech because big tech is taking all your data and making billions. And he's like, I'm not saying give people six figures a year, but if Meta is can waste $40 billion a quarter on the metaverse, which is dying off already, nobody's interested in it. Mm-hmm. Like that is all built. Like they're, they're making all this money off of your, your data. So he's just like, look, they make billions. Why can't they, his company does a profit sharing model. So if you're on their platform, you're a creator. If you sell $10 in ads, you get, I don't remember the split 70, 30, 50, 50. Mm -hmm. They split it. Like, so if we run ads on your page, you get half the money from it. Oh, perfect. So he's like, it should be like a profit sharing model. And he goes, and even if you're not on it, they're still taking your data. Like when my phone is too close to your phone, mm-hmm. since you have TikTok, China knows all about me. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, his whole point was there should be a system like that. Okay. You know, two, $300 a month. Like he's all, there should be universal basic income because these companies make billions off of your fucking data whether you're on their platform or not. If you use Google or have a smartphone, Google's got all kinds of info on you. They sell that to advertisers. Why shouldn't you get 3% of that? It's kind of like your little post you put up the other day about how you're looking at Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. Or you're talking about it. That's exactly what was making me think about it. Yeah. Which still weirded out about that. I remember, so that, I remember that happening like being a kid. Because when, before like the internet was big, you know, for the people that are listening that don't, that realize that there was a world before internet. Back when we used to have to put the CDs in and wait. CDs, floppy disks, and di- there was dial up. The, the, what was that? The creepy sound it used to make? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. Because yeah. when I was younger, I wanted to be like a game developer because I like video games. I'm a nerd. And I remember being out and telling my, telling my mom, why isn't there any ads or any commercials or why don't, why does nobody talk about being a video game developer or creator or making video games. Maybe a month or two later, it was on TV. You want to make video games? <laughs> yeah. So unless it was already happening in the 90s or I just magically set it around the right person at McDonald's or wherever the fuck I was, 
they had they were a, listening. I can't remember if it was on Joe Rogan or one of the other podcasts I listened to. But they had the guy who was like one of the head uh, people in charge for advertising mm-hmm. for, I think, Facebook. And he worked for Google for a while. Um, he was actually one of the guys who helped basically create that code where they take, like, Facebook can see what you Google and then put your ads on Facebook for what you've been Googling. He, like, he was within that brainchild. And he was saying, look, you think you're talking about buying a Jeep with your buddies and then all of a sudden these things show up on your social? Like, they're not spying on your microphones. He's like, it's coincidence. You probably Googled it and you don't realize that Facebook gets information from Google. Oh, okay. So, like, there's always this coincidental way it happens. My thing... And, and I could buy into that a lot of the time. You know, maybe you did Google it and then it shows up on your TikTok. Like these apps intercommunicate on the back end. Yeah. It's like, well, I was about to say Facebook and Instagram, but they're the same fucking Yeah. Thing. Well, but maybe before they bought, bought it, you know, they all work together on the back end. Mm-hmm. So, but this, when I posted about the Pepto thing, I didn't Google shit. I was driving. So I was literally texting my wife. And she sent me just a screenshot. Like, I know 100% I didn't accidentally Google it or I didn't open the King Supers app and look for it or Safeway. Like, no, I was driving in between Byers and Bennett. What is that? 20 minutes at the most? 15? Yeah, not very long. Yeah. Like, I hit the little fucking Siri button, doing the Apple CarPlay, and I'm like, send me a picture of what you want. And like, yeah, so she sent me a screenshot. She didn't send me a link. Like, there's no way it's coincidence. That is straight up it spying on my iMessages. Yeah. So. But if, if you're if you're a tech guy out there, tell us how to turn that shit off. Yeah. Well, there is a way. You don't have a phone. <laughs> yeah, go back to a Nokia. Jesus. What was that? My spitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, before we actually get started... Yeah, we'll save I'm, all this ranting for the next one. I'm, I'm a little rusty at doing this, so I'll, let me just tell social media <laughs> real quick. Oh, save them for the end. They, oh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll do, the, we'll do that, that boring stuff at the end then. Yeah. Let's, uh, before we get too deep into the weeds, we'll do that maybe next episode. But because we did, I had a little conversation with a guy on Facebook who messaged our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name, I'll just say Frank. I don't know if he wants his whole name out there. But he's from, I believe, South Dakota. He's an electrician. And uh, I'll just read his message real quick. He messaged uh, the page there and said, Hey, guys, I just started listening to you on Spotify and love it. So thanks, Frank. Thanks for the support. Thank you, Frank. Uh, He said, It's good to hear there are other true blue-collar, hardworking people out there. I'm an electrician. I've been an electrician for 10 years now, eight years with my current company. And I'm in the same boat of getting to work with the old boys and get to seeing the new generation, which he's referring to that episode where we talked about us early nineties babies. Okay. Like we get to see those. We actually get to work with those real old school guys. And we're seeing these real new school guys Yeah, where these real new school guys will never see that old school seven. Yeah. 80s how we're before. right in the middle of the, the wave, the yeah. change. Yeah. So I think that's what he's referring to that episode. So he goes, I'm in the same boat of getting to work with the old boys and seeing this new generation come in. I'm on the verge of becoming a foreman. So congrats. My question is, this new generation, it seems they don't like the fact of man, 
doesn't like the fact of manual labor, and it's really hard to hire and recruit people. We literally hire almost anyone who comes through the door, but a very small percentage of them can make it. They either quit two months in and end up being, or end up being let go because of their lack of work ethic. What do you say to this new generation in regards of that? That's the end of the message. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a few things that I'd unpack. I think one thing he said is I hire anyone who comes through the door. I've worked for co- companies who do that. And that model of hiring, like if he's saying, like he could just be generalizing, but I've, I've literally worked with companies. I'll hire anyone who mm-hmm. applies. No interview, just hire anybody with a heartbeat, <laughs> put in your application. We'll call you back. Come down, we'll take your information. You got a job. Mm-hmm. That can be a problem because you'll end up weeding through way more people. Yeah. Because you know, you're just hiring anyone for a specific job. So you're going to end up having to sample 20 guys before you find the one. So that model of hiring could maybe be part of the issue, I think. Yeah, you're not vetting enough. Yeah, yeah, you're not vetting pre-hire. Yeah. So it's like, I've seen that too. Like I've worked for... Yeah, because now at that time, you're just, you're spending more time hiring and firing than actually hiring the right person. Yeah, and that that could be part of the problem, but I think he kind of hit the nail on the head with the new generation where there is a big, big frown when it comes to shit work. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like we've talked about it. We talked about it with Cody, you know, guys come in to operate and three months in, they think they're the baddest guy on the planet mm-hmm. or they come in never operating and expect to be a full-time operator in three months. So, yeah. Um, it's like, you know, we've, we've mentioned that there's no patience or the attention span because we want it now. Yeah. Because it's hard. I mean, shit, when I started, I was a laborer for years. You know, I didn't get to run a skidster or a tractor very much. It took me a while to actually get there. But then if you're the person that strikes out and you, you know, you get lucky or the laborer and you find the right person to teach you real quick, then things change. But then you have to be the guy that's mature enough to say, I'm learning how to operate. I'm not an operator, but I want to learn to be one instead of saying, I'm a fucking operator. Yeah. Well, just kind of like the hiring, you know, I think there needs to be a little bit of a mindset change on upper management these days. Like, like we talked about on that episode, I think they do need to realize that we're not the same as the guys that were hired 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, not to say that you should be a full-time operator in three weeks you know, I, I get putting in your dues, but I've also worked with companies where their version of putting time into me is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like they, like 10 years before you do stuff like, Oh, I was a laborer for 10 years. Well, that was your generation. Like, yeah. This is a different world. I, I got shit to do. Like we talked about, you can get on YouTube and you can learn, you can get a college education online without ever setting foot in a university. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess to contradict myself, yeah, I've worked with my fair share of guys who come in who are useless and, think, yeah. and are entitled. So would it be more of how he's saying, you know, people don't want to do manual labor or it, it could fall back on management. Like you're saying how they're promoting this awesome job workplace, but yeah, then they get stuck with shit labor work you know they're like oh yeah we're a great company you're going to be in equipment in three weeks and you know they're, they really sell sell the cake and then they get stuck with a shovel for three years yeah now now that you say that i i picture this more as like a three-dimensional problem yeah because 
Now that you mentioned that, I have worked for companies who falsely advertise their uh, opportunity levels. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked for companies where like, you can grow, and then you're there, and they're like, we don't need you to do anything. Psych, but, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there's that problem, too, where maybe the company is promising more than they can deliver, which is just as bad as entitled people, workers coming in feeling entitled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a whole... That uh, that's another side of the problem, I think, too. But I guess if you had to put them in order, wh- what would you think is the number? Like, we've D- don't ask me because I've I've <laughs> we, I have a horrible patience level, so don't no, no. add now. I am asking you. <laughs> so basically, we just outlined like three of what we think maybe the big issues are. So you have companies not like not, over overselling. No, yeah, o- companies overselling. Companies not uh, doing enough uh, selection process, mm-hmm. or in- workers coming in feeling entitled. Yeah. So if you had to arrange those in order of the biggest problem to the smallest problem, what, what way would you put it? Do you think there's more companies uh, falsely advertising, or more companies not hiring properly, or more people feeling entitled? Um. I'm going to say that they oversell a lot because they're then I'm going to say it goes oversell higher and then entitled just because the way I I see it, we're going to oversell 50 people to get all these 50 people in the door. We're going to hire all of them and then keep the two good ones. But yet those two good ones might've been the entitled ones when number, you know, applicant number 10 was the correct answer, but you, you overlooked them. See, I would order it a little different. I would say the biggest issue is the false advertising on companies. I agree there. But I'd say the second biggest issue is entitlement by the worker. And the There's a lot of that. And the third issue would be how they hire. Yeah. That's how I would put it. Because I think there is a bit, I've seen a lot of companies promise a lot. Yeah. It, <laughs> so, it's hard to really order that because like you said, if you're going to oversell and you oversell it to an entitled person, they're going to instantly say... Double negative. Yeah, yeah I, I should be forklift certified and by fucking noon. day two. <laughs> <laughs> by noon, yeah, by noon. <laughs> Once I'm done with my drug test, I should have my certification by the time I get back to the office. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that's how I would order it because, yeah, I've just I've dealt with a lot of the overselling in, in my career. And my career is not even that extravagant, to mm-hmm. be honest. Like I said, my, my employment numbers are much smaller than some of the people I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also bigger than some, like I've had more jobs than you, but I've had a lot less jobs than somebody else we know. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. Like I'm in the middle ground there. Um, so yeah, that that's how I would order it. Okay. So, so I guess if we were just to dive into each one individually, I guess since we agree on the overselling, yeah. what, uh, what have you seen? What have you heard? What do you think people should do when they're in that predicament? What, 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 clarify what predicament? Okay. So like, are you, so I was going to ask you like as a foreman, how would you, cause obviously depending on the company, how they structure their foreman, some foreman hire in fire, some people, some foreman are just the crew lead. Yeah. So if we'll just say Frank's the crew lead, so he doesn't hire, he just get management gives him Joe, yeah. Joe's brand new and he has to train Joe and bring Joe up. How would you train Joe? to get rid of the entitlement. So when I was, uh, I don't think you can get rid of entitlement. How would to, 
So like not not I, not get rid. I guess know, I could tell you fix my, it like my process. Curve it when I was in like small management positions. When I was a foreman or crew lead, I usually when I got somebody, I was real um, realistic with them up front. Mm-hmm. Like I I would say like someone comes in and okay, like an easy one would have been when I worked at Halliburton. Just because that job for me, when I worked there, it was a simple job. It, the, like, the job was complicated. You're dealing with a lot of chemicals. Don't get me wrong. But it was like the process of my job duties was pretty simple. So I was really, I was that blunt type of guy that says, like, I don't know what they told you, but here's how this stuff actually works. And here's what you should expect. Like, I didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, this job sucks. and we're here together we're the redheaded stepchild of the company we're not the guys in the field so everybody thinks we're not important until they come back and they need 12 trucks reloaded so they can get right back out to making the big dollars Mm -hmm. so i'd be like you know i'd be like we like on the night shift like we work real hard for the first half of the shift the next half of the shift we're either taking naps watching movies or there's the occasional night where it's balls Balls to the wall wall, all night so I, I was always big on just trying to set those expectations more realistically. Same thing when I worked for the directional drilling company, I would tell guys cause they'd come in with all these ideas and I was like, that's not how this company works. Like this is this, I've been here for this amount of time. This is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't expect anything more or less. Um, so I was big on that. I wasn't big on like the first week or two, like, yeah, you're teaching someone how to do the job, but I wasn't big on like, like I want to make sure this person, because I was big on, you know, when, like you were saying, a company hands you a couple of guys like, Hey, this is, these are the, you know, Joe and Bob and, you know, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want to say Frank. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say, yeah, I wanted to say Frank, but I was like, Frank's the guy who messaged us. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, like they'd give you those guys and it's like, I don't want to delegate a bunch of my effort into teaching them how to get good at this job if they don't even want to work for this company. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time up front teaching about the company before I spent time really telling them how to be good at the job we're doing. That was my process. Okay. Trying to give them more of a reason why they're doing it. Yeah. Like I would tell like the directional drilling one. I, If you were on my crew, we worked longer hours than everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, we're not going back to the yard with the drillers at 3.30. We're out here till 6. I'm not working with Albert. Yeah. You don't like that? Then I'm, if you can't get past that stage, I'm not going to get down and start teaching you how to get faster at splicing pipe or get better or spend days showing you all the tricks I've learned over the last few years. So you're, it's not more about like the company. It's more about this is how this crew works. You either get on or get off the train yeah. of this crew. Yeah. So I do that for... However felt, however long felt right. You know, some people it's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people it's like a, they say, yeah, but they don't mean it. And like a week later you start seeing the, this shit sucks. Yeah. You start seeing that. So you're like, this guy ain't going to last. I'm not going to spend days getting in the dirt with him and teaching him all the, all the shit. That was kind of my process. Okay. What was yours? Um, I mean, you're a foreman. I'm sure you've had to deal with new guys. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll go more towards like when I was out of town doing the reclamation on the pipeline type stuff. So when we would get sent new guys, you know, say, cause when I was running the 
tractors, you know, and the tractors, they were, you know, follow the right of way. I'll tell you when to change your seed. But like if a labor, like labor crews came up to do all, you know, all the labor work and environmental work, they would say, I mean, I want to get in that tractor. Cool. Well, this job, those seats are already taken. You know, this job is already filled. Everything here is done. Unless Will over there decides to quit, then, then we need to worry about that. But right now, there's really no opportunity to train anybody unless you guys get caught up to doing absolutely everything to where you can go sit in the buddy seat. I was like, until then, we're laboring. Like, you, that's that's where it's at. I understand you want to be an attractor because I don't want to be out here shoveling with you. <laughs> yeah. I get it. But as of now, the job is this. You know, if kind of the same boat as you. I mean, everybody wants to be the dozer operator, the tractor operator, skidster. You know, they don't want to be breaking their back. Yeah. Very unless few you're pe- unless yeah. you're in the labor union hall. Very few people want to spend their whole life doing that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah, you have to be honest to them. And then as the foreman, so since Frank, you're working your way up to being a foreman, or, you know, you might already be a foreman now. Make, no, I can't say make sure. Be more of a positive promoting foreman you don't want to be the one that you know when you set the tone of the crew good you want everyone to know what the daily comp you know the accomplishment is supposed to be but also don't be the fucking you know slave driver be the one that's ready to work with you and make sure it's the everyone's appreciated on the crew i guess right yeah you want you want to make sure you're working at, on a crew that you want to be with and not creating the cancerous crew like yeah, we talked about that's a good point yeah see my my model and it didn't always work, but my model was definitely show them the shit first. Mm-hmm. Be the shit part of the job first, because then it only gets easier from there. So I guess that's kind of the same thing what you're saying. Like, hey, we're laboring, so this is what we're doing. And then we'll talk about that other stuff if the opportunities arise. Yeah. There was always opportunity you know, for us to get in equipment. It's just, it was a matter of time. Yeah. If there was a rain day, if you got caught up, you know, if, the, if someone was sick for the day and we needed to fill it. You know, go jump in. You're going to do the easy stuff in the tractor so we know you're not going to fuck something up. Yeah, you're going to go mow. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go mow. You're going to crimp because all you have to do is put the thing in the ground and go forward. Yeah. You even got to be careful with that, though. Yeah, you can run over some rocks and plug that shit up. No, I just, I remember when I worked for your company. <laughs> I'm like, go crimp, and I'm not a farmer. I came from a different side of the oil field, so I'm like, what's a crimper? Yeah, you're, you're, what's you're, crimping? you're getting out your electrical <laughs> hand tools to crimp wire together. Yeah, um, that's exactly probably where my mind went at that time. Uh, okay. I was like, uh, like I told the story about when they told me to go get the drill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there looking for like an auger driller and post hole diggers and fucking D wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, you gotta be careful there. But yeah, I, I guess when it comes to like dealing with the new hires on the job, that's, you got to figure them out. And then, so what would your approach be if, let's say, you're two days in and you start getting the vibe that this is that entitled guy? Like, what what's your approach if you start realizing, like, this guy isn't, I guess there's two ways. Friendly ball busting. Friendly ball busting. You know, like we were saying earlier, you know, the, it's not bullying because, you know, we do it to everybody. But you also have to see where they stand, you know. Friendly ball busting, see if how they take it, and if you can't take, you know, the jokes, you know, the serious, you know, Albert, pick up the pace, you know, fucking cold molasses, molasses runs faster than you. Those, you know, those kind of jokes. Then that- have you have you ever been to the point where you were trying to get someone fired or make them quit? 
Yes. Care to elaborate? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't remember. I just, I remember that there was people on my career I didn't want. And it was on a job where we couldn't afford to lose, the, you know, to fire the people because it was just so time sensitive and crunch time where I was like, okay, something has to change. And it's either it's cold as fuck out here. It's negative 20. Shit keeps breaking. I have inexperienced people. I'm trying to train everybody and get these daily numbers that you want. And I can't do it because all these variables are working against me. So something needs to get changed. Yeah. I've done both. <laughs> I mean, I've, 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 I've got to fire people. I've too. never had to fire someone. So I think that was, that's going to be hard when the day comes. I've, uh, I've been in some weird positions and throughout my life as foreman. Like I've been in a position where everything's my fault. I'm in charge of everything. But I also, I could hire whoever I wanted, but I was never allowed to fire anyone, which is a stupid position to be stuck in. <laughs> yeah, because then when you hire them and you can't fire them, they're like, this is my fault. I'm here because of me. Yeah. It was like hiring them. All I had to do is say, hey, we need two more guys. And it's like, here's a stack application. Call whoever you want. If they got this ABC qualification, hire them. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then I've been in that position where it's like, this guy needs to go, well, I'd like to see this. I'd like, I want to do this, try this, try that. And it's just like, uh. we All right. So we, I do know who, <laughs> who, who to talk about. So we had a gentleman come up and it was, this guy's good. He works with the, uh, this other guy. He vouches for him. He's an operator. Okay, cool. Well, they put him in my, in, on my seating crew and I try and show him the ropes because I, I was told he's an operator. He can he can run a hoe. Well, I'm not a hoe hand, you know, according in Cody's eyes yeah. when he was on here. Yeah. But I was able to tell within the first hour of meeting him, he's not a hoe hand. Oh yeah. Because we had we had to unload an excavator with cleats on it because it was frozen icy area. He tore up the low boy a little bit, and then when I had a stack of mats on my trailer for bridges to be built. He asked me how he wanted me to take him off. I said, what? You should already know. When I say, Matt's on my trailer, need off trailer. Caveman, ha, 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 take him <laughs> off. And don't ask me how you say, okay, and start yeah. ripping him off. Yeah. And then, you know, that was sign number one. Sign number two, he built the bridge in the wrong spot. <laughs> Whoops. And then, so he wasn't even on my crew because he was actually working with Cody. Cody ran him off. And instead of instead of the company firing him, it's like, oh, let's go see how he does in a tractor. So they just put him in position until he wanted to leave. And yeah, until I said this is until oh, I, until I went okay. to them say no, no, we can't do this. If he fucked up that and he's fucking up this, get him out of here. Yeah. Send him somewhere else. Yeah. Get him out of our hair. Yeah, I've I've been like I've had to work with a guy that after weeks and weeks of trying, it got to the point where I just went into the uh, the job coordinator I worked for and I was like he's not coming out with me today mm. what do you mean just send him with someone else I'm done you have to do all this shit by yourself fine like I'm done <laughs> like this guy can't there's one way you're supposed to use channel locks they go in one direction <laughs> after three weeks we still can't figure out which direction you're supposed to use channel locks or pipe wrenches oh Jesus I want to know the reason I want how, okay what <laughs> You know, channel locks, the teeth go down. Okay. Pipe wrench. You know how a pipe wrench works? It crimps. Like, you understand? Like, you get what I'm saying? Pipe wrench, the jaw. Yeah. You push down and it bites hard to twist. Yeah. Like, he's the type of guy that's 
putting a pipe wrench over something from the top and then pulling up on it. Wonder- and just coming right back yeah, off. Yeah, and wondering why it's getting <laughs> Okay. Three, week, three weeks of shit like that. Um, three weeks, we worked a lot in live traffic. And there was two or three times where, like, we're shoveling dirt out of a dump trailer. And he goes to jump out, and I'm grabbing this guy by the back of his shirt because he's jumping out into a live traffic lane with cars flying by. Like, yeah. I literally saved his life a couple of times. Jesus. And I'm like strangling him against the side of the trailer because I'm like, dude, you just jumped in front of a bus. What the fuck are you doing? Either I'm going to strangle you to death or that next bus that is going to yeah. fucking kill you. <laughs> like you're going to end up strangled or flat, one of the two. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, but it was after a few weeks that I was like, no, we're done. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm firing him. Well, you can't fire him. Well, send him with someone else. He ain't going with me. Yeah. I'll go home. Like I've had to get that far. And then I've also had those guys that were just – kind of what you were talking about. I'm going to keep putting him in positions till he's so uncomfortable he just stops coming. Well, they, they didn't do it because of that. They wanted to see where he would fit in. Yeah. Which I get, but at the same time, you're just you're just sending this problem around down down, you know, yeah. to all these other crews. Yeah. He might have been good on that one job and worked great with those other people, but in the conditions that we're in, he's not great. Yeah. And that and that I guess that could lead straight into companies false false advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's kind of like when I went from the directional drilling operating world to the pipeline world, like there was this disconnect between me being able to literally run a mini X like a God to having to run a 333 excavator mm-hmm. and learn how to move 20 tons of dirt where I'm used to moving two. Yeah. Like there's a big difference between, well, thanks for stacking 20 tons of dirt in the way. Now we're going to spend half a day moving this dirt out of the way because you put it in the wrong spot versus, you know, me having to dig two inches away from a live power line and shit like that. Um, so yeah, that, that is, that's a hard one, I guess. But yeah, I would, as a foreman, I always, I always like to be like, Hey, this is what the company is. This is what it is really like on the ground. Cause Mm -hmm. I know there's always, no matter how good a company is or is not, there's always a level of false advertising during hiring and it might not be intentional false advertising. It's just misunderstanding. Yeah. The the way the office perceives the work life out there compared to what it's really like. Yeah. Or or the applicant or the person getting hired, not understanding like going to your company and saying equipment operating at your company can mean a lot of fucking things. Yeah. So there could be like, Oh yeah, I can operate. And then you go put them in a fucking, 86. Yeah, we we run John Deere's out here. Yeah, the green ones. Yeah, like, they what? <laughs> like I remember the first time at your company hearing the whole green iron, yellow iron operator thing, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> but no. So like, it's not all. It's not always companies misrepresenting. There could just be a genuine misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect of it too. Um, but I guess if we were to hop onto the next point of contention we talked about which was did, did you i guess that we kind of talked about entitlement i've never i guess I've never that's really, what i was going to say next if we were oh. just to focus on just those over entitled generation of people mm-hmm. um i see it a lot because i got a lot of little brothers yeah and i see the different types of expectation and work ethics i've got one brother who is the one who didn't go to the military who should have went to the military because he is like he needed a little bit of discipline. A lot of discipline. Okay. <laughs> but he's also a real hard worker. Um, I've got another little brother who he fights the generation. Like he had a great job he was really good at for a while, working uh, 
like at a custom car shop kind of thing. Um, not custom, like not building cool cars, but it was, they worked on anything. It wasn't like a dealer. Mm-hmm. It was just like a third party shop. They worked on diesel trucks, Hondas. You're having a hard time with that microphone. Yeah. They worked on diesel trucks, Hondas, SUVs, whatever came through the door, they've worked on it. And he did good there. Um, but he got in like a debate argument because they felt he took too long to do something or there's one thing he forgot to do. And his point was, is that's kind of where the company was, I think did him wrong. Cause they're like, well, we think we're going to shit again you cause you forgot to do this one thing. And he's like, yeah, well you're handing me shit. I've never known anything about. And you're just like, here, fix it. And then you're like, you're stupid. I can't believe you didn't do this thing. And he's like, that's he, a problem. Yeah. He was in this position where it's like, like, one of those guys he's dangerous like because he's smart mm-hmm. like he's he's a dangerous person because he can figure a lot out but he'll miss things because he's just not experienced either okay so that was that scenario yet another job he ended up losing because he was like two or three minutes late and it was one of those this old school companies you know five minutes early is late type of places and it was like a he punched in at like seven oh four. We start at seven. If you're if you're at seven, you're late. Yeah. 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 And he was like the seven oh two guy. Oh. And he got canned over that. Uh, but they had no problem with his work. So I'm I'm a I'm I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so I've never been a stickler on time clocking in as long as it's reasonable. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. You're five minutes late. If I haven't left the yard yet, I don't care. You know, if you're showing up to the yard 20 minutes late and I'm still there, I'm gonna bust your balls for it, and then we're gonna go. You and me would have a hard time working together. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I've had, I've, but I'm a stickler on staying late. See, I'm. I'm the, <laughs> we're gonna have a very hard time working together. <laughs> exactly. I'm the other end of the clock guy, which is I've told bosses that. You know, they they bust my balls because I'm five minutes late, and I'm like, yeah, who was here till nine o'clock at night fixing that sewer line that those other guys hit and went home at four? Mm-hmm. Me. Well, yeah. So I right, that part, but working late because I want to work late. That, no, I always worked late, but I wanted to make money. Yeah, well, show up on time. You can get more money that way. Well, <laughs> show up early. I'll be five minutes late, but work three or five minutes late in the morning, but I'll work three hours later. Fuck in the no! Afternoon. I'd much rather start at six and end at four. I'm a guy that's like. I'm not showing up at seven to work till eight. If I could control how society worked, like the working clock would be like nine to six. Fuck no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. No. I worked a schedule for a while. uh, When I was at Halliburton, they were always playing with the schedule. We did like six to six, four to four, but then we went to 12 to 12s. So I was working uh, midnight to noon. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite schedule. That one would would be bad. (laughs) Yeah. That was by far my favorite schedule. Other guys, on the other hand, loved the noon to midnight. Hmm. But I'm, I've always been a late night nocturnal type of person, so that's probably where that comes from. It's easier for me to stay up late than it is to get up early. So much easier. No, I can get up early. Dude, I, I struggle to stay up late. I'm that guy. I can work till 2 in the morning. But if you ask me to go home at 6 o'clock at night and then wake up at 4 in the morning, it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. When, when I was doing the tree watering last year, dude, that was cake. Because it was, John, this is what you got to do. Get it done. And, you know, this is your place for the next few months. You got it. Can I work whenever I want? Yeah. Cool. I'll be here at five in the morning so I can leave at three. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would have been like, fuck you. No, dude, that was my <laughs> shit. Cause I I'll get, come in at eight and go home at eight. Fuck no. <laughs> no. I, I had, get off at three. I have the rest of the day to, to me. Yeah. The only thing I would say is like, there's rules. If, if the company has a set clock, 
it is what it is, guys. Like, I cannot like it as much as I could, but I'm not going to, like, just blatantly disobey it, you yeah. know? So one person came to mind that we both know that is I would classify as entitled. So it would be the person that we're talking about that had a lot of jobs, his middle brother. Uh, he would probably definitely agree. He'd probably say both of his younger brothers, actually. I just know the middle one, you know, yeah. the most. Yeah. No. Uh, How would you deal with him? Um, we'll we'll give him a name. His name is Steve. <laughs> I've had to by proxy. Did you work together? Um, he worked for a company I worked with, but in a different division. Okay. He listens. He's probably gonna know we're talking about him. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like I won't judge a lot now because I probably haven't spoken to him personally. And it, it's been a long yeah, time, yeah, in years. So I'm not gonna pass judgment on how he is now. He he may have changed. But there was a when back when I kind of had to deal with them third party, I seen it a lot, you know. Um, but people, I have a brother who's like that. I have a brother who is oh, you do similar, all right, less, less in a negative way, but still, he's just like a the uh, I got a brother who's in the military and he's always asking me, like, he listens, so he's gonna know I'm talking about him. He's he's asking, like, what type of jobs he should look for. And the, the reoccurring theme with him is he's always like big money fast. Mm-hmm. So I tell him like, if that's what you want, these are your options, but none of it's going to be as fast as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've worked with a lot of kids in that age group. It's that patience thing. I've wor- Yeah. I've worked with a lot of kids in that age group who come in. You see it with welders a lot on the pipeline. You see welder helpers come in and they're a helper for th- three weeks and they're like, I just bought a machine. I just bought me a Lincoln. Oh yeah. I just, I bought a Lincoln. Uh, uh, I just got a one ton. All right. I'm, I'm ready to break out. It's like, dude, you're still learning, man. Like w- the welder helpers are, I've seen some great ones. Don't get me wrong. I've seen some cool ones, but I've seen a lot that were like two weeks in still trying to figure out how to put the grinding shield on their hard hat the right way. Talking about breaking out. It's like, dude, you still got the fucking spring on the wrong side of your hard hat. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're still uh, asking your welder basic questions that even I know from a non-welding guy. I just know it from watching the, these guys for so many hours. Yeah. And you're talking about breaking out, trying to be a welder on your own. Like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that's a hard one because I guess it's hard for me because I'm I'm kind of the same way, but I think for different reasons. I think a lot of kids get into the workforce, you know, and they want the big money. They want the cool truck. They want all the shit and they want it so fucking fast, which was definitely me. But I also, to toot my own horn, I feel like I'm a, I'm an above average learner. Like you put me in a position and I self teach really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you out, you over, no, no, out. I, I would just say I'm, a, I'm an above average learner. I wouldn't say I'm the best at everything for sure, but I would say like, like I'm trying to guys, I've, I've, I had people in the mini X think I was an operator for like 10 years and it was only three. Mm-hmm. It was just something I learned really quick and got really good at faster than most. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So I would get impatient because I would see my, my skill level equivalent of some of the higher paid guys. And I'm like, I want to get paid based on skill. I hate companies that only pay based on time. Yeah. So that would always drive me up a wall, but I've definitely worked with 
guys coming in. Like I, I had laborers they had hire for me come in in the third day. So when do I get to start operating? It's like, dude, you haven't even experienced every part of the job yet. Um, I don't know the best approach to that other than kind of what you and me talked about is like teaching and just trying to set the expectations realistically. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, telling them like, you're not here to operate, you're here to labor. So try to kind of move that out of your brain right now. We'll get to that when we get to that when there's time. But, yeah. The, sorry, I didn't mean to oh, in, interrupt you, but uh, it was always, you know, because I started in, you know, like I said, as a laborer and I worked my way up. You know, it wasn't, I went from a straight operator or straight foreman. Or, you know, I had to work my way up the ranks. And I was always a big believer on you need to know the jobs below you. Um, and even, you know, now being doing this for fucking 13, 14 years, I still believe that to a sense. Obviously, if you're going to be an operator, if you're going to be running a mini X or an excavator, you know, digging trench or just digging anything, you don't need to know how to go lay erosion, erosion control blanket. That's not, has nothing to do with you, but what you do need to do, or at least know is how to make sure that that slope is good for passing inspection and also helpful for the, the crew that's going to install that at the same time. Yeah. Don't do, don't be in it just for you. Make sure you're able to perform to make yourself shine. And then the crew below you, that's going to help you get everything completed. Yeah. And and I think a lot of that, the, I think where our perspectives kind of complement each other is I've had to been in position where I go from one company to a next at a, like the next company doesn't know what I know from the old company. In your case, or even Frank's case, you guys have worked at one company for a long time. Mm-hmm. So your perspective on the bottom to top knowing is going to be a little different because I'm not saying people don't need to know the bottom. I'm just saying like... Our bottom looks like this phone <laughs> and it started with the iPhone 3, but now we've worked our way from the, to, from this to the iPhone 10. But you've also had the iPhone, the Galaxy, the fucking Samsung, the flip phone, because you've yeah. done all these different bottom ones and working your way up, making a nice like pyramid, all you know, like, doing a lot like of bottom stuff. A good example would be when I went and worked for your company for that short amount of time. I felt for a while there, I felt very underutilized and undervalued because I had all these other skills from the previous company and here I am just cleaning tractors at the shop mm-hmm. and I'm just they weren't they weren't utilizing the yeah skills you, and, and, you knew you could do and part of that was probably my fault for not being more clear it's also probably my fault because I'm big on underselling myself so I can overperform later like mm-hmm. I don't like to go in and be like I'm a good operator I, I like to go in and be like I know how to operate mm-hmm. then hopefully I show off um but I think there's a lot of that too where some companies just don't value what you learned somewhere else because that's not them. You know what I mean? It's like, but I guess that could, is a little different or kind of comparing apples and oranges too, because he was specifically talking about maybe just the whole younger generation where Mm -hmm. this might be their first job. And I would say being, being a person who's had more than two or three jobs in their life. Yeah. I would say it's almost not a good idea to expect someone to come in and be great if it's their first or second job Mm -hmm. because they just don't have enough laps around the sun to even know what they want or what they're capable of. Yeah. So they might want to be an electrician today and in a month they might want to be a fucking plumber. Yeah. They're going to meet the HVAC guy and be like, I want to do that. Yeah. 
So I guess there's a little level of that where you have to be realistic about your expectations of the new generation. Mm -hmm. And maybe that'll help calm down the waters a little bit. If you're not expecting much and you don't get much, everyone has a little less disappointment, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, But for those kids, like I said, though, on the other hand, I have dealt with those kids who came in and two days later, they they were like, so when do I get the seat? You know, and it's like, I think the only way that shovel doesn't have a chair, buddy. The only way to deal with them is to just tell them you don't. Mm-hmm. it's not going to happen today. Um, but I think if companies could get better on recognizing talent faster, you would see shit. Mm-hmm. What about like a checklist, like a, not, 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 not like a performance evaluation. Cause I mean, everyone learns at a different pace and learns different ways, but, um, I guess it kind of would be a performance thing. But, like, this is what it takes to go to the next level. You know, can you do this? And not just, you know, I'm going to use a CDL as a reference because we, since we both have those, don't learn just to pass the test because yeah. you can you can sit online and take practice tests and ace the test but know nothing about how to fucking unfreeze your brakes. Was it your company that had, where somebody had to sign off on something to get a skill level? So they did that. They had that implemented, but it's just, you know, it's kind of just fallen through the cracks throughout the years. But I do think that if there's an evaluation of some sort saying, or at least give, give the newer yeah, people it, like yeah, the your company. They had the, what were the skull sessions? Yeah. Yeah. Give, give like a, the daily accompli- accomplishments, you know, that way it gives people goals, especially because of the younger generation, like we're ta- talking about patience levels and attention spans. They might, you might have someone, you know, as an electrician working, you know, running wire or whatever, but this guy's over in La La Land. He's, he wants to go home and build cars. You know, he has this job to go fund, building his his engine yeah and so he doesn't really have that much interest in in this job but if you can catch his attention and you know get x amount of things done throughout the day go and you can go home make sure it's done but your quality needs to be there you know hold each other accountable but i i I kind of to a degree i guess yeah i guess i could see that working yeah because I think it was your company because I had like a little piece of paper and I had to go do something. I remember someone that had to No, yeah we, yeah. yeah, we had all that stuff and we, we still do to a, to a degree, but we just don't follow through with it as much because if you could pull up mine on our computers and mine won't say much, but if I could go through that list, like, yep, 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 yep. I can do all, you know, I yeah. can do so much different stuff. But yeah, like I'm saying, don't pass, don't learn how to pass the test when, when you don't even know why you're passing the test. You yeah. know, if you're going to be an electrician, why are we running conduit? Why are we running this? What, what, what happens when you do this? You know, don't just show me that you can install this transfer box, explain why, what, what can happen? You know, what's the in, big picture of it? That way you're not passing a test just to give you the right answer. I think another controversial thing I was a big fan of doing a lot of people disagree is being open about wages. Because I see, I've seen... That's a good and bad thing. Yeah. I've, well, my thing is I feel like if your company's doing everything on the up and up, it shouldn't be a bad thing. It should mm-hmm. never be a bad thing. Um, if Bob is making more than Steve... and the, There should be a reason. He, there should always be a reason. And I always feel like the last reason on that list should be time at the job. Or family-related. Yeah, definitely. Family-related <laughs> shouldn't even be on the list. But it is. In the real world, it is, guys. Yeah. But... I'm just saying I've worked at companies where they tried to say they'd, you know, you could get fired if you talk about pay. And it's like, 
it's going to happen. Guys talk about it. Mm-hmm. Halliburton was big on that. I think at Halliburton, you had to sign a thing saying you never talk about it. And I'm going to say that that happened a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Halliburton, being a big mega corporation, I'm sure there's a lot of shit that falls through the cracks on that. But there was like, like we found out at our location, we were paid below what what their standard of pay said we should have been getting paid. And it caused a lot of contention. But I think if you can tell a new guy like openly, like, hey, I make $27 an hour. You can make that too if you do X, Y, Z. I think that puts more of a straight line visualization on what patience gets you, what's time get you, what skill level gets you. Mm-hmm. That can be dangerous too, though, because if you have someone like me who comes in and can actually learn something quicker than you anticipated. Yeah, would, and you weren't expected to fork out 27 an hour yeah, in, in so seven months. That could be the downside of that, exactly. Yeah, because I that, get that. Because if I see my skill level matching what you said gets me 27 and I'm not getting that 27, I'm going to start getting butthurt about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, I see that point completely. Yeah, it's just like I'm, I'll use our tractors as an example. If I if you can do X Y Z in my in our tractors, but all the experience you had was on flat ground, you're like, okay, give me twenty seven. All right, all right, now let's go out east and do that yeah. on hills. Well, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's definitely some things I think you could do to squash the entitlement, but I also think there's sometimes there's just no hope. And you got to do kind of what we're talking about. You got to run that person off or mm-hmm. send them on their way one way or another. Yeah, you you can't do so much to where you baby people because then then you're babying that one person and, and the entire company sees it. So you have to, you know, have your, dot your I's, cross your T's and have a firm foot. You either, you either perform the way this way or you fucking leave. I had a whole crew with entitlement problem one time. So I was a truck pusher. We had... I had fucking truck drivers. Yeah. I had about 40 drivers under me and probably 20 to 30 laborers. Cause we had a lot of driving jobs where part of the job was driving. Part of it was manual labor. So there's a driver and a laborer. Um, there's a lot of jobs too that were just driving jobs, like dump trucks, just a driving job. Uh, I had one guy come in who had some, this will be a, a subject for another episode, but he had some religious views that interfered with work. Um, due to those, I was completely open with him about the pay. I was like, look, all these other drivers make this much money. They make, I'll, I'll say it, I think at the time we were at 25. This was a few years ago, which, hey, 25 is still good money in some places, but mm-hmm. Colorado, it's a little tough. But we were also really high at the time because my boss was building a company, so he's trying to fill seats as fast as he could and easy yeah. scaling yeah easiest way to scale is to pay on um, easiest way to get manpower is to pay more than everyone else so mm-hmm. he was also above average but i was like look everybody else here makes 25 an hour if you have a hazmat you make 26 an hour um you're a really great dump truck driver like granted doesn't take a lot to be a great dump truck driver but he was the type of guy that i dealt with a lot of guys at six phone calls an hour where do i go what do i do this person over here is telling me this, this guy wants me to dump over here. I'm freaking out. Yada, yada, yada. My truck is, there's a problem with my truck and I don't know what to do. Him on the other hand was great because he could deal with little problems on the truck completely by himself. Like get a phone call. Hey, I got a busted belt. If I go get a belt, can I fix it? 
absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Just letting you know, you know yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. I'm going to be down for a half hour. Okay, cool. Um, he's also the type of guy that's like, I just said, you're picking up dirt here and you have to go to this oil field site here, which you know how oil field directions can be. But he was great at it. Once I told him, like, you're going here to here, I wouldn't hear from him. Turn left on road 22, go 7.7 <laughs> miles. You see a tree and a watering tank on your on the northwest-hand corner. Turn right there, and then you'll drive another 0.3 miles, and you'll look for the wooden owl on your right. Stay left at the fork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was great at that. And he was the type of guy that, like, after a few days, I realized, like, oh, I don't have to worry about him. Very reliable yeah, person. just tell him where to go. And you just get a call that says, hey, they say that's the last load. You got something else or come back to the yard. It's all it was. Mm-hmm. But I told them, do the fact that you can't work night shift and you can't work weekends because you're, he had like a Sabbath yeah. religious thing. So I was like, I'll pay you 22. But this is exactly why. Well, after a few weeks, people started noticing he's never getting put on night shift and he's never there on the weekends. Next thing you know, everyone feels entitled to, I'm not working this weekend. And this was in Albert's 21-year-old, high-management job, arrogant days. I still believe what I said. I just would have said it better. But I was more the guy of, the fuck you aren't. If you want your job, you'll be here. Type Mm -hmm. of response is what you generally get out of me back then. And it was also crude because most of these guys were damn near twice my age at the time. (laughs) And I'm telling them smart-ass shit like that. Um... And it got to the point where I had a guy who lied about being a single dad and child custody issues to get weekends off. Oh. Then I found out he doesn't have custody of his daughter, and his, let alone his daughter lives two states away. Um, and it got contagious, and it got real bad until I finally grouped everyone together. Because I didn't tell everyone I was paying him less. He knew that, and he was fine with it. He's like, I understand that sounds fair. And then eventually he came to me and asked can I make some more money if I go get my tanker and I do the water trucks? And I say, yes, but you're not going to make the same as the water truck guys because of this scheduling issue you have. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but anyway, he was fine with being paid less. He was, when I explained to him why he was like, that sounds fair to me. Um, those other guys, I, we weren't supposed to be telling other people what other people made. Mm -hmm. So I finally had to tell them. I was like, you don't want to worry weekends? Fine. Your pay's going down to 22. Well, fuck that. That's a $4 pay cut. Well, that's what he makes. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, all the entitlement issues went away. Yeah. That's why I was saying sometimes I feel like being opaque. I don't know if opaque's the right word, but being open and honest about pay pay levels can be a benefit. Mm -hmm. And even though I was dealing with experienced guys and older guys, I think that can translate well to the younger generation too when they're like, you know, some laborers making 16 bucks an hour. You know, you're like, yeah, when, when you get to this point, you can make 18, this point you make 20 and blah, blah, blah. But you also got to back that up that to get to this point, you should expect it to take six months. It's going to take about a year to get to this point. So you can kind of set the pay expectations with the time expectations and hopefully squash down some of the entitlement when they kind of understand that's what everyone else had to go through to get to where they're at. Mm -hmm. I think that would help you know, help, help the ones that are helpable. There's always going to be those group of younger guys, maybe even older guys that just are entitled, you know, yeah. they, they were raised spoiled and silver spoon in their mouth. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to change. And those guys are the guys I think you just let them go. Yeah. And uh, that's a, uh, a good, good reason. 
Yeah. I, Good I, explanation. I think that's all you can do with those guys. Yeah. But I think a big thing in the industry, in all industries, I really think is just being open about pay. I think that solves a, more issues than it causes, to be honest, as long as the company's being right. Yeah. If, if you are scared to talk about it openly, there's probably a reason why you're scared to do exactly. it. Exactly. And that's how I've always felt. Yeah. Like if a company doesn't want people talking, like at Halliburton, that's what it was. They didn't want people talking about pay because they didn't want our departments to find out we were underpaid by their own pay scale. Mm-hmm. Like we found out we were all paid like 2 to $3 an hour less than everyone else in the country was making. And that's why they didn't want us talking about it because then they had to start transferring guys from location to location. Like we had guys who were gaming the system. They would live in Colorado. They'd go higher up in North Dakota to get the higher pay and then transfer back to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and then here we are teaching. Okay. At Halliburton, it's green hats and red hats. Yeah. Most places it's green hats. So we're teaching green hats, making more money than us. And we're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's what yeah, they found the loophole and they were exploiting it. Yeah, yeah. They figured it out. Good on them. Bad for Halliburton when we all went and said, where the fuck's our pay? Mm-hmm. You know? So there's, but yeah, that's a good point. But like you said, the company had a reason and it wasn't a good reason. And if the company's a good company, I don't think they should ever be scared to talk about it openly. Mm-hmm. But I think that would squash a lot. Really? People always, people are work to make money. So if you make money, the focus of it, I think that can set a lot of people straight, no matter which direction you need to point them. Yeah. It, it, the uh, the commission base just popped in my head because you know when people are make their money off commission wages you know they want to really overperform and over mm-hmm. overdo their thing you know with your story they didn't know this guy was making less so once it came like oh shit well, yeah no, never mind like I said everybody was entitled to get weekends off and oh, I don't want to work night shift no more until everyone found out he's making less and like I said it was two hours later I never heard another word about it yeah everyone's like hey. See ya, Albert. I got a load to haul. See ya. (laughs) Yeah. So being open about pay solved the problem. Yeah. Um, And then with the younger guys, the labor guys that were partnering with drivers that needed laborers, when they knew how much drivers made, it motivated them to go get permits and start asking to drive and Mm -hmm. shit like that. So I think that helps a lot with that shit. Mm -hmm. But I guess that the, the final stage of this is, so we talked about the... What did we talk about? What was the first one we talked about? Fuck, I don't know. So we had companies misrepresenting. I have CRS, bud. <laughs> we had companies uh, misrepresenting. Yeah, overselling. Ex- yeah, people's expectations. What was the third one? Um, Just hiring. Oh, hiring practices, yeah. yeah. So I think that might be a big issue. Um, that's a hard one, too, because I hear a lot of numbers saying that there's just not enough people to fill labor-intensive jobs. I mean, it makes sense. I, I, I believe it. No one wants to do this shit work anymore. Yeah. I'd say a good thing to back on the, uh, actually good to go back one subject. Don't make the job harder than it needs to be. Yeah. You know smarter. how many times I would see other tie in crews on the directional drilling jobs, making laborers do shit that I could do with the mini X. So like we ran 35 G deer mini X's. So that's the cab mini X. Um, but like doing cement, I'd see them fucking all their laborers hucking bags of cement. And I'm just like, hey, throw a strap around the pallet. I'll pick it up and set it right next to where you need to work. You know? So it's like, make their job easier if you can. Yeah. Like, um, we for a while, we used to set, they were like plaster hand holes. They were heavy as fuck. And I was good enough to actually pull the lid off with the Mini X because it had the thumb. So I'd pull the lid off, set the lid next to the hole, and then I could grab the box 
and then you set the box in the hole, put the lid on, we could backfill it. We made it so easy. I learned that from the operator who taught me. He was good at that because mm-hmm. he was one of those, the boss don't care about your back when you're 60 type of guys. Yeah. He's a hard fucking worker too though. So he didn't do it to be lazy. He just did it. I don't know. Save his back? Yeah, save his back. And he, he still uh, still kind of works for him. He owns his own company now, but no, he, he taught me a lot of that. So I got good on that. Meanwhile, you, the other crews would come down from my Colorado Springs to help and they would be like, you'd see their laborers just carrying buckets of dirt 500 feet to go fill a pothole. And I'd be like, dude, back the trailer up, put a cone in there. We're going to shovel like crazy into the cone and be done. <laughs> it's going to take two seconds. Or open the doors and I'll slide it out with the Mini-X bucket. We're done. Yeah. Um. So don't, that's one way I think to fuck up expectations is to just make jobs harder than they need to be. I do like to sit and watch people work because, it, you know, it gives me a maybe I'm doing something the hard way, mm-hmm. but then also at the same time I, I I like watching people like why are you doing it like that? Yeah, that's exactly what my life. You, you really right. you understand that I could do this in half your time by myself. Well, and it's easier. Well, the thing is too, what not trying to not not trying to brag, but saying you're doing it the hard way. Yeah, yeah. that's what my uh, when I was a laborer. That's what the operator did to me. I'd be out there wrestling this. Those lids weighed like a hundred pounds. So I'd be out there bear hugging this fucking lid, walking down the sidewalk with it, and he'd just laugh at me. And then the, he'd turn the the next one and grab it with the mini X and set it down, like, and just look at me. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the uh, at yeah. that moment you realized yeah. you don't have to do it the hard way. But I also realized that's where your skills came in. He's mm-hmm. he's probably one of the best operators I've ever had the pleasure of working with. The reason those guys in the springs wouldn't do it is they didn't have the finesse to do that with the mini X without breaking shit. Yeah. They're touchy. Yeah. And like, like I could open bottle lids. I could fucking flip quarters over with a bucket. I could do all kinds of stupid little shit. I learned how to do. Oh yeah. Um, but those guys, you know, they'd go to grab it and they'd grab it too hard and break it. They didn't know that you can't like have the bucket teeth curled in then grab, grab it and teeth go through the side and then they're like, Oh fuck, we broke it. You know, and it's like, dude, but yeah. All right. Moving back forward to the, <laughs> to the hiring process. Um, it's a hard one because I always hear, you know, Micro talks about it all the time. You know, there's going to be a shortage of blue, blue collar workers. Um, I almost thought you said Micro. Yeah. No, like M-I-C-R-O. Oh, no. And then I was like, oh, Micro of Dirty Jobs. Yeah, Dirty Jobs. Yeah, he talks a lot about that. So I think there is two models of hiring. There's that model where hire them now, weed them out later, or weed them out now and then hire them. So I feel like some places, some systems work, other places they don't. Uh, seems like the majority of places I worked like the hire them now, weed them out later mm-hmm. process. But I, I've noticed that one as well. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing is it, it, like if it's a smaller company, like for example, if I had to hire another driver, I'm not big enough to hire him now, weed him out later. Yeah. I need the fucking, I need the guy. Now. I got a load that needs to leave tomorrow and I need someone to drive it. Yeah. That I can trust. So I think, I think companies just need to be better at that. And if like you as a foreman on a job can get involved in that process, because that was one thing I had at a couple different places is I got to look at applications. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one. Yeah. I've actually, Two different jobs. The the trucking one where I told you I got to hire but never fire. Obviously, I got to see all the applications. Um, the other job, a couple of times, the uh, project manager would come to me and be like, hey, I got these five applications. Which ones do you think's the best? You know? 
And I'd be like, uh, these two. Like, yeah, those were the two I was thinking too. Um, so I guess if you can get involved in that process as a foreman, that might help. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a little harder when you're dealing with young kids, especially if you're looking for, like he's an electrician. So they might be talking about trying to get apprentices through the door, which is your green is green gets. You're probably fresh out of school. Um, Oh man. You know what's funny? When I worked for Buffalo Wild Wings in high school, I had two interviews. Yeah. For how come big corporations like that, or you know, a different type of industry, but yet for us, it's yeah, we'll hire anybody, and then we'll figure it out later. How come they don't just do like two or three interviews with different people? So I know Halliburton. I had two. Um, Like have obviously HR or safety do you know gather the applicants. And say we 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 want these five out of ten people come back on this day, and that and then you're going to meet with three of the superintendents. Yeah, that'd probably be the best way. If, if the company has the time, I guess it'd be a time and yeah. manpower thing. Because I know I know for us, uh, you know, we can bid work. You can bid work all day long, and you can say you have it, and it's supposed to kick off June one, but something happens, so you're 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 prepared for June one. Something happens to where it's now. August 15, the job's not ready. And you all, now you have 10, 10, 15 people that are expecting to go out on job. What are you supposed to do with them? You overhired for this job that now you have nothing for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think on the company level, it's going to be a manpower versus money problem, really. Yeah. Because like in the problem you just named, what do you do with those guys? Yeah. I mean, maybe that was the problem I had when I hired there. Maybe they were planning for some shit to kick off and it didn't. Because like I said, I... They were just trying to keep you busy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like they promised me anything, really. And I had to bug your company to get hired, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I, it was like a, I think I called them every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I applied, waited like a week, called, and was like, hey, did you get my application? And then, yeah, we got it. And then I think I called like every other day for like another week. Just until, bugging them. Yeah, until I finally, like, yeah, come in for an interview. Um, this Albert guy, he... We know him by name now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that might be a good thing to get hired too. I mean, if, if you got an applicant that's bugging you, maybe that's a guy that's worth spending more time on than somebody who never, do never people, calls. Do people do in. that nowadays? I don't, I don't know. know if it gets taught anymore. Cause I mean, that was always drilled into my head yeah. when I graduated high school. It was once you fill out an application, you fucking call them. Yeah. I don't know if that's something I don't have kids. I don't know. I've had the same job for over a decade. I don't know if that's still a thing. Yeah. I guess I guess the only thing I could say on the hiring aspect is if you can if you can go talk to your HRs or your business owners and say, Hey man, like maybe in Frank's case he's talking about they've had a lot of guys that just don't stick. So it's like maybe you can go say, Hey, let me in on an interview. Like you said, maybe you interview one day and then call him in and let me talk to him. Yeah. Or yeah, know. or just let let me sit in on what yeah, you do. Yeah. And maybe we can, you know, pick better better candidates yeah you you never know you might be helping the company out a lot in the end yeah and i think a lot of it too that we're not thinking about is a lot of it is probably super uh geographical problems yeah because it said south dakota in that message right yeah so you could either be in eastern south dakota where there's fucking nothing or you could be over in you know fucking the west side where you have rapid city (laughs) it might be me impartial to aspiring to be a farmer but <laughs> when i was uh at the one not the trucking company but the uh the drilling company and every time i seen an application if there was a a person from a rural area versus 
his address was downtown Denver. I usually sided toward the rural person. <laughs> I, I agree with you. So, yeah, I guess geographically, like, f- you know, people who are raised on farms generally have hard work ethics. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you know that, that's a good point. So it's like I would always, I would side from those type of people. Um, problem with those type of people, though, is the etiquette can get a little shitty if you're not working in the farm. So prime example i got in trouble once for pissing on a tire in the middle of a street and <laughs> in, in downtown denver <laughs> Y'all, you're glad you didn't get charges thrown at you well, that was apparently there was a school on the other side of the street <laughs> yeah you could um, hey to be fair though i was on the oh there's nobody could see nothing first of all you would need the hubble telescope to find my shit <laughs> second of all like I, I knew the school was there, so I was on the opposite side of the truck of the Back school of them. the other street with the doors blocking me. Like nobody's seen anything, but you could tell what I was doing. Yeah. And that was and I understood. But I was just like, I have to fucking pee, dude. Yeah, there's no bathroom. What am I supposed to do? It's fucking July. I drink like three gallons of water a day out here. Yeah. We're working in the sun and the asphalt and concrete all day. I gotta piss. And quite frankly, downtown Denver, fuck you, Denver. Your gas station bathrooms are way more dangerous. Than a lot of fucking wild jungles. <laughs> I got my haircut before I came over here, and I literally watched three homeless druggies fight in the parking lot <laughs> as I left. Yeah, like I thought I sat there for an extra five minutes because I didn't know if they were going to start stabbing each other. Yeah. I wanted to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, um, hiring—that's just the hard one because the one thing too is an application can look one way, and then you meet the person, and you're like, what? Yeah, you know, you see an application that you see all this stuff and then you meet the person and then it's like they're two different people, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, so I could see that being a problem. But I would say the only thing you do is maybe try to get in on the hiring process. Um, or back to what I said earlier, just lower your expectations slightly. If that's what, like, you, if you're looking for apprentices and they're coming straight out of school, like you never know what you're going to get. You also have I mean, to realize that those are their apprentices. That they know nothing. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. Um, I mean, just picture, look at our high school. Our high school was relatively small by most people's definition. For me, it was big, if mm-hmm. you ask me. But most people's definition, when they find out our graduating class was like 96 kids. They we got, had a little over 100. We had 96. We had the biggest we had a, that at that time. We had 107 kids. 96 of them graduated. Oh, okay. And then we just there, had a good ratio. Yeah. And then <laughs> there, there was a few that were homeschooled but partook in our graduation ceremony. Okay. Um but actually, did you know when we graduated, the freshman class was three times bigger than our class that year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there is, that's just going to blow up that number. Like you said, if you were to hire a random person out of our graduating class, you're probably a lot more likely to get a quality worker. Where you go to that freshman class of that year, you're automatically a third less likely because mm-hmm. there's three times the amount of people. Mm-hmm. So. I guess this, it's a numbers game and a geographical game. I, I can see it being real hard. I think my, I had a cousin who went to high school in Boise. His graduating class was like 1,400 or 4,000 or something. Insane. It was huge. It was huge. It, the graduation ceremony was like a two-day thing. Uh, All day. It's like the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it goes on for five days. Yeah. And his name was like in the middle of the alphabet. So we had to go both days because we didn't know if he's going to get called at the end of the first day or the beginning of the next day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just... Uh, I think I could be completely wrong. That was such a long time ago. Now that I think about it. That's funny. Yeah. And I just remember it being huge. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say to that other than get in on the process, make sure your expectations are reasonable. And then once they are on the job site, 
you got to take some of the approaches we talked about earlier, you know, setting, setting expectations for both the work and the company. Yeah. You know, I work, one of the companies I worked at, I was like, the work's not bad, but the company sucks. And that's the honest God truth. So if I can fix that problem day one, day two, we can work on to which way the fucking pipe wrench goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That it's a real hard one too. I mean, yeah, I hear it all the time though. I'm sure you do too. Like, you know, hiring people is harder and harder. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, I I, I had a thought and I lost it. (laughs) I can't remember what I was going to say. Whatever. Yeah. Must not have been shit. No, I don't like, Oh, Oh, I remember. Okay. So, you know how we're talking about lowering your expectation for the new people. Cause I know we talked about like work ethic, you know, I'm a very fast paced person, so I'm trying to downplay it or downgrade it because obviously I know I can do these in X amount of time, but these, you know, other people aren't and they're slower and it's really frustrating. There's my blood boils because like we should be fucking done by now. So if you can get that under control, it might also help the process as well. You know, what you're saying is lower the expectation because if you can drop that thing, you know, I, I struggle with it a lot. I have a hard time with it because I know I can do all these things by myself and you give me a certain amount, you know, I'm just going to say I, I'm teamed up with some people that slow me down. That's it's the frustrating. Problem. That's the problem. Not being a smoker anymore. It was so easy when you had to deal with someone new and it was so frustrating. Like I'm going to go smoke a cigarette and come back. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I almost broke years ago where I quit smoking for a while and we found, i I found a line in the ground with a deep ripper. It was it was a cut, in a, a plugged and abandoned line. It was it wasn't traceable. Mm-hmm. KPK, I'm sure. No, it was from an old tank battery removal. Was it here in Colorado though? Yeah, I guarantee it's KPKs. I can't remember, but it was it was on top of a live line. They're notorious for not knowing where their own shit is and telling you. I think it was from the battery because you know well, they not, just, they just dig down, cut, and leave the pipe. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that, and it was above a live line, and we were deep ripping. And I pulled it out and I freaked out. I got pissed. And, you know, you know, one, I was like, fuck, there's a live line runner underneath me. Was that just a little bit west of them here? No. No? no. And uh, I'll tell you later. Was it, was it in our early days? It was five, six, five or six years ago. Six years ago. Oh, okay. It would have been way later. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember being told a story about that same scenario when I worked at your company. No, you, you weren't there anymore. But yeah, I was like, I was working with a dude that smoked and he had marble reds, which was what I really like. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> hook me up. Cause I'm <laughs> like, I'm about to lose my mind on locators and all this and that, you know, because we were doing, we kept finding all this abandoned stuff Yeah, that was, it was out of our control. And it was very frustrating because when you're, I mean, for people that don't understand when you're putting something 18, two feet in the ground and all of a sudden you pull up this pipe, your life is either about to go up, just, just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very frustrating and stressful, yeah, stressful, well, super stressful. God damn. It makes me want to smoke now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of those. That's when, uh, did you ever use an M scope? No. Oh man. I, I don't got, even know what that is. It's like, a, uh, it's like a metal detector in a suitcase. You carry sideways yes. with a little fucking thing on it. Oh no, no, no. I've, I've, I've used like the little sweepers where you go out and sweep. Yeah. Where you actually locate. Yeah. 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 So an no, em- no, no, no. Similar to like what you're talking about as a metal detector. Like I've used like a ditch, switch lo- locator before yeah. that I would carry around when we started finding all this abandoned stuff. Cause I could hook onto it and yeah. trace it yeah, myself. Yeah. But we had 
similar to a metal detector where you just go through and like do a blind sweep. Yeah. And did you put like the, you put the end of the suitcase on the thing? I don't remember. It's been a long time. Oh, I got so good at it, dude. I was finding so much shit. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, yeah, you're clear to dig. And I got so good at it. They would like call me. Be like, hey, go get your stupid M scope. Because an M scope's like ancient technology. It literally is like I don't understand how the sorcery works completely, but <laughs> I know it's like has to do with density in the dirt. Okay. And like cause I know if you walked like across like a road base road, it'd pick up the rocks and it'd fuck your shit up. Um but yeah, they it got to a point where call Albert, have him walk it before we start digging. Cause I would be like, they'd be like, Yeah, you're good. I go through and three lines, right in the middle where we're trenching. Oh really? Yeah. All the time. You know, I'd, I'd find like, uh, uh, the clay tiles from farmers mm-hmm. for the field drainage and stuff. I'd find so much shit. With yeah. Their old thing. irrigation pipe. Yeah. No. I, I turned into like the company fucking M scope locator guy. <laughs> that A and, new skill that you had. That and witching sticks, man. What fuck yeah. Some witching sticks. Yeah. But I, I literally had you do, you do witching sticks one day cause we were out potholing a line dude. And it was eight foot deep. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. And we, we pulled out Witcher 6 and it's like, no, it's right here on top of the locate so that it says. So we just kept going. Dude, I was laying on the ground with the Hydrovac hose trying, and I barely found it. Yeah. I almost ran out of fucking hose. Fair share doing that game. Fuck potholing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, man, this new generation's a hard one. I would just say if you can get in on that hiring process, that'll probably help. And if you can wrap your head around that this isn't the same day it was 10 years ago. That's going to be the hardest there part. There is going to be some impatience. And the best thing you can do is always lead by example. Yeah. The best operator. That's, that is a very good one. Yeah. The best operator I ever had that really taught me how to fucking look like a god in a mini hex uh, was also probably the hardest laborer you ever met. Um, but he's also like, he loves to tell me, you know, he, he started like $9 an hour laboring, nothing but a shovel for days on end. Mm-hmm. So... He's one of those guys who tell you, oh, I started operating right away, the manual backhoe. Yeah, the M1 dozer, the old <laughs> shovel. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, leading by example is a great way, especially if you get like a new guy and you specifically talked about the manual labor part. Maybe if you can, um, like what my, my operator used to do, I don't know if you guys use a lot of equipment. I know you're an electrician, so I'm my dad's an electrician. I do know quite a bit about it, but I also understand there's different levels of it. There's guys who are electricians in the oil field and it's nothing like wiring a house. You know, there's guys who do a lot of, a lot of equipment operating as an electrician, digging their own trench lines for solar fields and stuff like that, where, yeah, you know, digging conduit. And my stuff. dad did commercial and residential. I don't remember ever him talking about running a backhoe, but I've seen plenty of electricians who are hauling mini X's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I would say, one thing my operator did is he would make me do the shit labor, but then treat me if I actually did it. So like I'd be down there and we'd be, I'd have to do a bunch of hand digging and then he would realize that I did it. And they'd be like, Hey, jump in the mini and backfill the hole. Here's a Bud Light gay boy. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> never been a Bud Light guy and obviously never will be I at know. this point. But no, <laughs> I'm just saying he did shit like that. You know, after I got done, sweat my dick off, he'd be like, jump in the mini X, crank the AC and you can backfill it all. Mm. I'll, I'll fucking, I'll hang out. I'll clean the inside of the truck while you do that. So maybe some approaches like that. If you see somebody that's got the potential at least. Yeah. Reward hard work. Yeah. And you got to just fix some of those issues yeah. and make them understand that. Or he was big on the, if we spent a lot of day doing a lot of shitty work, like, no, we're not hitting Wendy's. We're going to go sit down at the fucking restaurant and eat for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe take some of those approaches and maybe that'll help some of that. 
But then again, there's always going to be those guys you can't help, and you just got to keep weeding them out, weeding them out. Yeah, dude, make, make them love Frank. If if they want to work for Frank, then you have a great team because then once then they say then they go to you know Foreman Joe and everyone hates Joe. Frank treats us better. It might that shows a lot right there. Yep, and don't be afraid to go tell your boss to give someone a raise if they're a good one worth keeping. Yeah, I've seen that issue firsthand too. I've seen a holding somebody back. Um, well, money wise. So like when I worked. I got them to finally hire my buddy who didn't have a driver's license, which was a big issue for them, even though I was the CDL driver like and the operator. So it's like, I don't need a guy with a driver's license. A lot mm-hmm. of crews did because we had quite a few guys who uh, did a little bit of the boozing and driving and couldn't drive themselves anyway. But that wasn't my crew's problem, but that was still like a hiring problem for them. And then they were like, we'll hire him, but we're only going to pay him this much because he doesn't have a license. And my buddy's like, Pfft fuck that (laughs) like i may not have a license but i know what i'm worth on a job site yeah so i finally got him to hire him at what he wanted and then or little less than he wanted i talked him into it a little bit too but after i got there and i made sure they seen what we were doing i was like he you need to pay him this much now and he's like we ain't doing that i was like he's not gonna stay and if he's not gonna stay this is gonna go back to a one hand holiday crew and so they're like little bit of me pressing the issue but after a week or two they finally bumped his pay so yeah maybe if you see that guy with potential you know go pressure the boss they'll say hey this one this one might stick around so give him 50 cents give him fucking something yeah like i don't know let him drive the company truck home that does yeah. a lot for people too they feel Fuck they yeah. feel important when they can drive a company truck you know they'll spend money on gas yeah god damn that's nice well i'm just saying it gives I remember being a young guy the first time I got to bring a company truck home. Yeah. You feel like you're fucking about to run the world, you know? Yeah, I got a company truck, God damn it! You're about to do a lot more for that company for a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good so, point. Yeah, if if you can just latch on to the good ones and get them to stay, that might fix some of them problems too. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll spread too because then maybe they got the one, like in my case, I had the buddy that I knew could do the work and would be an asset. And when he sees that, like if you have one laborer and he's getting the perks, maybe he can bring in his other good laborer buddy that works somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And now you, now your company has two good laborers with great potential. Yeah. You know? Almost like when the pipeline goes, you know, John, the, John, the uh, fucking well, labor crew, everybody goes with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, you hire one meth head and ask him to refer some people. You're going to end up with a crew of meth heads. <laughs> but if you got a bunch of, if you got a great guy and you ask a great guy, you, if okay, if you have two guys on a job site, one's a great guy who you think is going to be a foreman one day, the other guy's a meth head, and you need two more laborers. So you ask each of them, "Hey, we need another guy. Who do you got?" You know, the meth head guy is probably not going to bring you a guy who can be a foreman. He's going to bring you another meth head. Yeah, the the foreman smoking rock buddy yeah, on the weekend. The foreman material guy is going to be like, "I, I got you. I boo. can bring this guy, and he's more likely to bring another foreman material guy." Mm-hmm. So. If you can do that, that might solve some problems too. Yeah. But I think we've covered as much as we could. Hopefully that helps, Frank. Yeah. Hopefully it helps and message us back if you got anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually a hard one because part of it is just unsolvable. It's a, it's a lot of trial by error because every business is structured so differently. It's You just got to try it until it works for you. Oh, yeah. Well, in every generation, you're going to have your... 
when you scale, you're always going to have those those bugs you got to work and through. And it's going to get weirder. I don't know if you've seen the new equipment expo, but they've got full remote control excavators, full remote control dozers. So, bro, if I can sit at home and play video games and w- run my tractor at the same time, sign me up. Yeah, but not because the new Legend of Zelda game comes out, and I yeah. need to do that. Problem is, John, who's going to come clean the fucking tracks? Not me. Exactly. I'm a goddamn operator. <laughs> From home. <laughs> That's the problem. So I, I do see it getting worse before it gets better. So I guess at, at the end of this. The Give final- me another the Mars rover with a shovel and I'll go clean it myself with, with my third <laughs> remote control. Yeah, there you go. I guess the at the end of this, the golden nugget would be uh, just do your best to retain the good ones, weed out the fast ones, and just set your expectations accordingly, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know. No one's ever going to be as good as you, most likely. Easy now. Everybody feels that way to a degree. Yeah. I know there's people way better than me. Look at Cody over here. Yeah, but I'm sure there's things you're better than him at. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So just realize that, you know, don't don't hire a guy. And what, uh, I don't know if we talked about this. Those guys that like reminisce on high school and live off of high school dreams. Oh, yeah. I know we've talked about it off air. Yeah. But. Don't be that guy that's just reminiscing off of how hard you worked when you were a laborer. Compare the current ones with the current ones and go from there. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. All right. I guess we should wrap it up. Now you should hit the socials. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Social medias, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I know we were behind for the last week because we didn't have one. There is a short episode. It's yeah. just me talking about some quonky shit for 20 yeah. minutes. It's just the podcast. There's no clips. There's no nothing out there about it. So you just got to listen to Albert talk. Yeah. Unless you recorded yourself and didn't share it with us, with no. the world. And if you listen to the episode, I called out John's little attitude about there being no clips. <laughs> I said, I'm going to have to go listen to this fucking episode now. <laughs> <laughs> I said, there's no clips because I suck at that. And I know John's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, Instagram, the underscore blue collar underscore syndicate. Facebook, the Blue Collar Syndicate Podcast. TikTok, Blue Collar Syndicate Pod. And from the winner of our hammer, if you're listening, let us know if you like our hammer. Yeah, make sure you, I want to make sure you got it. Yeah, did you get it? I was out of town, so I had to have the wife package it and send it to you. Yeah, I, I never heard from him when I messaged him on TikTok. But yeah, if you got it, let us know. How, how much have you swung it? Is it mantled above the fireplace? Is it your fucking prized possession? Is it already broken because you swung it so hard? What is it? Yeah. Or did you not get it because USPS sucks? Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah. I have a fucking brand new hoodie that I'm, that I'm for Rocket sitting at the post office that they, they wouldn't let my girlfriend pick up the other day because she doesn't have the, my last name. And which that's a, that's which a, I, I understand. It's a safety thing. But bro, come on. I need my hoodie so I can put it out and mail it out. I don't understand it because that town is so small that if someone else picked up your mail, you'd probably only have to walk five feet to figure out who. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It went to Keensburg. Oh. Because it went to my, my parents' house. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And my mom put a mail stop because she went to go visit my brother. I gotcha. So, yeah. I was golfing yesterday. Makes I a little more sense. I was yeah. going to say, man, the fucking Rockin' Post Office has like three mailboxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I think we're good. You got anything, Albert? No. Yeah, nothing. Nothing on this subject. Cool. I'm kind of excited for the next episode. Yeah. I'm just going to say, if you guys need some hoodies for working out in the sun, I got you hooked up. I'm your man. That's all I wanted to say. Promote myself a little bit. Yeah. Because these are nice. I wore these golfing yesterday. Did you? Yeah. Keep the sun off of you. How'd your golf game do? I'm getting better. But we'll talk about that next week. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) See you, everybody. Later.